so what Ling and I sort of had talked about in pre-production was that, okay, we're going to plant the camera here. We're going to light the scene and then we're going to let the actors rift. And it was very meticulous in like our tech scouting days. And Ling and I sort of went to, I would say like 70% of the locations and just figured out exactly where we were going to place the camera. Um, you know, and like we still let some, some magic happen on set, but um, it was quite literally like getting to spaces and like waiting for, you know, waiting for the light. The light did. <laughs> Welcome to Bitch Talk. I'm Aaron Lim. This is Ange, a.k.a. Captain Party. And I'm producer Shar. And over the last 10 years, we've been elevating marginalized voices through interviews and events, sometimes over a glass of whiskey. Welcome to day two of our Sundance and Slamdance film coverage. Today, we're focusing on Slamdance narrative films. We have some great ones for you. We're starting off with Mascot and then The Underbug, which won the Slamdance Grand Jury Award for Breakout Feature Film. And then we're closing it out with Waiting for the Light to Change, which won the Slamdance Grand Jury Prize for Best Narrative Film. A big thank you to 48 Hills and our listeners for voting us Best of the Bay, Best Podcast. And now, on with the show. Here we are on the Festival Daily Buzz, recording out of the Treasure Mountain Inn, uh, talking about films from Sundance and Slamdance here, 2023 style. I have with me Angela Deborah and Aaron Lim from Bitch Talk. My name is John Wildman. I'm the editor-in-chief of FilmsGoneWild.com. And on this segment, we're going to talk about the film Mascot, screening at Slamdance. We have the director, Remy Van Huyten. Remy, welcome to the show. All right. Nice to be in. Okay, Remy, we start this off by giving our filmmaker the first shot to tell us about the film. The audience hasn't seen it yet, mm -hmm. so tell us about Mascot. Mascot is um, kind of a very personal uh, movie, and it's um, it's about the uh, stability of a, of a family being uh, totally disrupted by the teenager's son's drift towards extremism. Yes, it yes. is. <laughs> uh, that's one way to put it, Remy. Yeah, um, yeah but you know, as, as a filmmaker, your goal is to have the audience feel something, whatever it is. And I felt mm. a lot, and I yeah. felt a lot of um, uncomfort yes. um, throughout <laughs> this film. Mm. Um, and I, I wanted to, like each scene seemed to one up the, the prior scene, and I never knew where it was gonna go. Um, so I'd, I'd like to hear um, how you uh, juggled this intensity when you're directing characters that are going through so much without having them go too over the top, still making it be relatable mm -hmm. because unfortunately some of it was mm -hmm. relatable <laughs> we always wanted to stay very very close to to to, to the character to to jeremy um i always felt this is a story about desire like he's this is a boy that's growing up and and he has he has all these desires that remain unfulfilled mm -hmm. and um, um i think he's 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 very confused of all the forces that work on him especially well from home his mother mm -hmm. and 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 actually the world he's growing he's growing up into um which is present day netherlands and uh yeah i i i, I worry a bit <laughs> about young people i have to say uh, i don't envy them at the moment mm -hmm. right so uh, I, it was kind of a character study of of yeah one guy taking i could say bad exits but he, he he's just taking all wrong turns 
of, right. on his life. Uh, yeah. The actor that plays Jeremy and also the actor that plays the sister of Jeremy, what were you looking for in the actors in terms of personalities or maybe even mental health in order to play these mm -hmm. characters? Mm -hmm. I always look for actors that feel very connected, like personally connected to parts. Mm. I think for the sister, um, she's she's doing like, she's into the furry world f mm -hmm. in reality. Oh. And... Uh, um, yeah, so so she knew what she's looking for in that world, mm. and so she could relate very well uh, to that. She's very young when we were shooting, thirteen, um, mm. um, but very grown up, I'd mm -hmm, say. Mm -hmm. um, same for Jerry. Um, Liam is uh, it's 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 difficult for a young guy to <laughs> to understand all the mm -hmm. well mental <laughs> stuff jerry is going through so um i i i i look in all kinds of ways but in the end uh, uh, we found him in in a boxing school <laughs> so um normally i'm not you know i think you always have to find the the the, the best actor but in this part we, we he really needed to fight we needed that um well inner violence in the actor, and uh, I, I think it's in. He's a, he's a very nice guy, but it, and it's but it's also there. Um, mm -hmm. And it was about creating trust to unleash that mm -hmm. in a way. And and because he's boxing, he's he looks very he looks to people mm -hmm. like it's his opponent, so he knows what's happening. And and he he, he you know like great actors, he feeds off off the other one. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, I think he did great. Yeah, you know I think yeah. the film really of. Follows a long line of really great, intense dramas that come out of Europe, and we've had other films that have dealt with the hooliganism, and you know, and and but you and I have talked about this and about the idea that you know, even though other f films have dealt with this, and 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 of course, you know, you your inspiration for making this film came from a very real place and concern of like in this country, proud boys and incels yes. mm -hmm. and, you know, and, 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 and what you had, you know, uh, you know, across the pond, as they say, but, and again, full disclosure, I, you know, I'm, I've been working on, on <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, helping you with the, the PR yeah. for this film. Um, so I'm obviously a big fan of it, <laughs> but we have talked about the rarity that I see in the film in, is that while it's very intense as we follow his journey and, uh, and, and we see those uh, terrible turns that he takes, um, what we don't often see is what has inspired that. And, and in this case, um, the confusion over his relationship with his mother. Mm. And you and I have had, had talks about this. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to have you talk about that that I think really fleshes out the movie and makes a fuller picture and not just a violent you know, thing that's, mm. that's adrenaline fueled. Um, well, as I said, he's, 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 um, we, we, we kind of created a world he lives in, confusing worlds of social media, violence, um, political ideas that is quickly changing <laughs> mm -hmm. at the moment. And, and, and then the main parenting you know, it's, so it's a it's a study on a dysfunctional family. Um, I think you know uh, um, him um, losing well the confidence because of his de de uh, deformation, 
um, he, he starts searching for, for trust. And his mother, on one hand, gives him a lot of trust and love, like any mother, and, she, and, and that's great. But also there, there's not a real, you know, Boundary. There's not a boundary. no. There's not. It's yeah. not for her. Mm -hmm. she, um, yeah, um, yeah, that's one way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and uh, um, and then there's the, the the father's part. But we we leave it a lot open to for the imagination. But there's this. You know, he left, and and I, I feel Jerry feels uh, uh, responsible for him leaving. Um, but yeah. Uh, um, it, it, this is a story about caring. I, I, I just I was given a few interviews and I found out actually that's that's a, a theme in all my mm. work. Mm. Uh, people caring and and I did a father son story now it's a mother uh, son story and 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 they're all trying to take care of each other but taking it very literally sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, being patri the patriarch of the, becoming the patriarch of mm. the family. That's something I, I'm, I'm very worried of. Um, like we're almost going back in time, um, looking at a lot of political ideas. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a mix of of this home situation and uh, the, uh, the 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 attention of parents for the children. When do they? Where do they go? Mm. As a parent myself, I'm, I'm always like, you never know. You can never do it right. But but this is <laughs> this is another study. This is very dysfunctional. And then there's the society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think what was also interesting in my emotional roller coaster with this film was mm. I was like, oh, it, mm. it's so intense, and I was like, but this happens all the time. I mean, you can reference, you know, this is coming from the Netherlands, but as mm. John said, in the states, we can relate to a lot of the things that the kids are going through mm -hmm. and that we're dealing with as a society. So I, I was interested in. Um, hearing how you came up with the title mascot mm. and what that means to you, because there mm. could be a literal uh, interpretation of it, but it, it seems like so much more. Um, yes. I don't know, but uh, the, the title, we, we when we came up with it, he, he was he was the mascot. Uh, uh, he, it's, it's kind of my biggest fear. Jerry, Jerry is a, is a mm. white boy yes. becoming my fear. And, mm. and so he becomes like a talisman of a society. So he's, he's kind of a, a cynical mascot mm -hmm. with all his, you know, his black clothes on and, and, uh, uh, you know, his perfect, you know, his, 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 uh, his Nikes and his, mm -hmm. you know, all the branding and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes. All right. Well, the, <laughs> the last question I, I had that I, that I wanted to, you know, give this moment mm -hmm. an opportunity to talk is that because again, knowing the inspiration for why you made the film and knowing how passionate you are about your fear of what you see out there, do you now see, you know, because, you know, we're here at Slamdance. It's also going to be at Rotterdam, um, you know, uh, in, you know in, in a matter of weeks. I mean, it's going to be there very, very soon. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're starting a film festival tour with this and the film is going to get out there. Um, do you embrace the opportunity, just like we're doing now, to talk about this and talk about your concerns and, and, and to utilize the film as a an entry point to have that discussion? Um, or... You know, are you, you know, in the moment going, I made the film, can I just be the filmmaker? <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's, that's not how it works for me. <laughs> for me, the, the reason of making movies is, is uh, to, to start a topic, to talk and to connect. And, and I think that's the, well, that's the worry uh, in the movie. People, people lose connection and then bad things happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's great to, to, I feel people go through this experience and, and, um, 
yeah, I would love to talk about, you know, there's so, so many things coming up. There's a lot in the movie and I don't have, you know, the perfect um, solution or anything, but it's too big for that. But it's, uh, yeah. Well, again, the title of the film is Mascot, screening at Slamdance. It is a devastating film to watch. Uh, Congratulations on that. Uh, we've been talking to Remy Van Huten. Um, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Here we are on the Festival Daily Buzz from the Treasure Mountain Inn in Park City, talking about Sundance and Slam Dance films. Here with Angela Tabora and Aaron Lim from Bitch Talk. My name is John Wildman. I'm the editor in chief of FilmsGoneWild.com. And on this segment, we're going to talk about The Underbug, which is a Slam Dance title. We have the director, Shujat Sadagar, and we have Ali Fazal. He is one of the stars of the film, also a producer. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, so you much. John. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. All right, Shujat, you're up first to introduce our audience to the film. They haven't seen it as yet. So tell us about The Underbug. Uh, so The Underbug was born out of very troubled times uh, uh, during the pandemic. We mm -hmm. shot it during the pandemic uh, in uh, 2022, August. And things had just started opening up in uh, Mumbai, in India. And we had to get security passes and go and shoot it. Um, uh, it, it was a subject that we all uh, believed in. It stemmed from uh, the social, political environment uh, in the country at that time. And uh, as I said, uh, we were all kind of troubled in terms of, you know, a, a voice that we wanted to bring forth and to build that in a narrative. Uh, so the underbug reflected a lot of uh, what we saw with the coronavirus. Uh, an unknown entity, an unknown enemy that we were kind of facing. And, you know, uh, I think momentarily the world got together to, momentarily, I would say, mm -hmm. got together to, you know, fight this unknown entity. And that was, uh, for me, the impetus to create a horror film uh, as, as in genre horror, but it deals with the horror of man and, uh, you know, what plagues us. Uh, more importantly, as an epidemic, which is hate. So the film does talk about hate politics and uh, what it has done to all of us across the globe, just not India, I would say. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as the director, Shujat, um, I want to know about the opening scene because this is a horror film, but we're brought into this quiet and nature and um, it just captures you right away. So was that an idea at the beginning of this film or at the end, in the middle? When did you decide to make that part um, uh, so so beautiful to start with? Yeah, I, I, uh, I was hugely inspired by Milton's Paradise Lost. Mm. And uh, I wanted to create something right in the beginning uh, of the film, which reflected uh, the Garden of Eden mm. and, uh, you know, the serpent coming in. And here, metaphorically, serpent being, uh, uh, you know, mankind mm. coming in and we've got this uh, destructive nature where we go and, you know, tend to destroy things uh, more than create things. So that was the idea uh, behind creating nature, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And when we see the characters, you know, the human beings enter that paradise and what happens to it. So it was coming from, uh, you know, right from the beginning on the onset, I had that idea. Mm. 
Yeah, and that also speaks to the sound design, which I was blown away by uh, with this film. Yeah. Um, can you talk about creating the tension throughout? I think I heard a didgeridoo at some point, yeah. the, the the insect sounds, all yeah. the sound effects. And Ali, can you speak to <clears throat> acting within this tension without hearing the sound effects in the moment? So whoever wants to start. Um, I mean, it was, I suppose when we were on location, we were blessed with the natural sounds of that that particular place we chose and happened to be our friend's home uh and and it had this dilapidated old world charm to it which which kind of also depicted the, the you know centuries old um evolutionary thing about it which mm. was which is quite fascinating these two two people who are at the essence rioters uh in the middle of riots who've just come there to find shelter and i took a lot from um, the silences, which I, I thought were really loud, these these small objects in the house that you would randomly see because there was really less light, um, um, and of course including the radio, which had this its own voice and its own character that was sort of shaping up the story. Um, so we yeah, took pieces from there, and um, I had to play off a lot of from from my co-actors. Uh, lines and his punctuation and of course I don't want to give the uh, mm -hmm. the thing away but I had to sort of match uh, my intonations to his um, keep the language very neutral because India is also we're blessed with so many dialects from the north to the south so I had to kind of find a middle ground of all those accents and all those speaking patterns um, and then we just we went with the flow we you know we had certain images and visuals and ideas in mind. And what I loved about it was that we all collaborated together. So I suppose the sounds became a part of us at the time. And, uh, you know, there were noises in, in our heads. <laughs> but again, I don't want to be too, I don't want to sound too indulgent, overindulgent. But I think it, it, it might have helped. And... Uh, be honest, I haven't seen the final cut. I've oh. seen some of it. Yeah. It's pretty good. You should watch it. Yeah. 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 No, I was really scared because you know, I, I think that's just uh, 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 the nervous actor in him. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I know because Shijad Bhai sent it to me and I was like, oh. Oh. I've seen some of it on the dub and. Which yeah, I, no, even in terms of the sound design, we, we wanted to create a sense of hollowness. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it, it, because it's not a typical jump scare uh, horror film, which you, I mean, I, I love jump scare horror <laughs> films as well. But yeah, I wanted to create that kind of hollowness, which reflected the, the characters. We scored the f uh, film four times over till mm -hmm. we got the sounds right. So we used a lot of early instruments, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, which had to kind of yeah. reflect. Uh, I wanted the texture and the quality of yeah. uh, of that. And there are points where it goes really high and then there are uh, scenes which are in a vacuum. You know, yeah. we wanted to create where we had sucked out all the sound completely. Like for the example, the dining table uh, scene, mm -hmm. the dining scene. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, we've taken <laughs> diegetics out of, uh, you know, Ali's character. Mm. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, that's why I think the, the meter, <clears throat> I think, got set for me was with Hussain's breathing. Yeah. And and so, I mean, at least in my head, that was that was the beat from from, from yeah. the yeah. word yeah. go. Yeah. And of course, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the sound then came mm. on top of... Well, Ali, let's also talk about the fact that, you know, you know, when you're doing, uh, when you're acting in something that you are also either directing or in this case producing, you, you have a, resp a big picture responsibility and knowledge in your head um, as far as what, you know, she's trying to accomplish everything. But then 
scene by scene, moment by moment, you've got to be an actor and you, and you, and you have to compartmentalize. And that's not always easy uh, to do. Um, talk about that, about, you know, how for you, um, you know, that process of letting go of business, <laughs> film business, and then going, well, no, I've, I've got to deliver for my acting partner. I, I've, I've got to you know, do what I need to do acting wise in the scene. Uh, that's a great question. But, I, you know, I think from the word go, it was it was all all sorts of collaboration for us. For me as an actor, I mean, I've never walked into a film <laughs> with my own set of, uh, you know, lines and an and, mm. and idea of the screenplay. And then Shujad Bhai had one and Hussein had because they were the writers. But then we collaborated these three, four screenplays and, and ideas together and, and molded something. So we would almost, and we shot the whole thing in chronological order. So, mm-hmm. so I had to multitask, yes. Um, producer Shoes came on later. So, you know, I, I don't think that really, um, yeah, I also, suppose as an actor. I, I, you know, I think Ali's primary commitment was to the storytelling of it. Yeah. I, I think the business aspect of it, you know, uh, seeped in, uh, you know, much later. I don't think it's fully even seeped in right yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's a great part. Uh, you know, uh, that's a great thing about Ali because he's such a creative collaborator. You know, uh, besides just being, uh, you know, an actor, and he's done a lot of stage as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he writes really well. So that understanding is, is is was really important to collaborate because I wanted my cast and crew, uh, you know, to come uh, with what they thought of uh, uh, of the narrative that we want to put out. Thank God. You know? I, I thought that was unusual yeah, at we first. W- I wanted it to feel it was, personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was a tough time and we didn't know what was happening. Unfortunately, people were losing their lives all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, mental health was taking a beating. Where everyone was locked up. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to understand, you know, uh, what does Ali as an individual or Hussein as an individual think about what is happening and then to filter it into a narrative structure I totally shed it off at the yeah. end of it I think yeah. I think we were all going through I think the world was suffering at mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. I had suffered a huge loss in my own personal life so I suppose it all came together and and we we addressed the horrors yeah yeah, in in eight days, actually, fun fact. Um, wow. Yeah, we wow. finished yeah. the whole film in. Yeah. We mm. we prepped for three days, um, <coughs> day in and night out. And uh, my God, these yeah, guys we were... rehearsed and we, uh, you know, <laughs> right. did blockings and yeah. uh, all that stuff that for three days. Wow. And then we just went and yeah. shot. And we would sit every night and discuss what we shot. And we thought, oh, uh, uh, this is not good, not good. <laughs> let's go and reshoot this bit again. You know, let's let's try and see this. You know, we didn't get this message across that we wanted to. Or the I exposition mean, was. It too was, much. Yeah, it was fascinating because yeah. I remember having this thing. I, I I would so I come from a school where my director is my guru, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he could hit me on set, and I'd be like, okay, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but here, he was giving me a chance to debate this out. Mm-hmm. That I could say, no, wait, you know what? I don't agree with this, but maybe I I see it this way, and he was like, no, uh, yeah, okay, I hear you, and let's try this and let's try both and see what happens. And that was, you know, because we actors were so spoiled, especially when you're part of, I mean, different kinds of narratives. You you come in with bound scripts, you're part of a studio or blah, blah, blah. And, uh, (laughs) you know, everything's done for you. You just got to get in your costumes and... (laughs) And I just, yeah, I remember sending someone to the tailor to get get the yeah, costume yeah, stitched, yeah, my yeah, pants yeah, stitched, because yeah, yeah. I gained so much yeah, weight. I told them, hey, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I was fitting into my pants. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, that's the thing. Also, when you're doing a thriller, when you're when you're doing a, a horror film, you know, you're trying to build, you know, which this film does so amazingly well. If we've talked about that, the atmospheric, mm -hmm. uh, like the overwhelming nature of it. But when you're directing that, you also have to deal with um, uh, effects gags. And, and, you know, and you have things like that. So you go, yeah, you know, at least like trying to get in this emotional space and you're like going, wait, we've got to do this blood thing. Is this is, is the gun going to squirt? Is, is it going to come out? And, you know, and so you're worried about that. Yeah. And yet you've got to be in the right space. And, you know, and and talk about that, about about getting that balance right so that when you end it with the footage, you had a great dramatic performance, but also this technical stuff also worked. Yes, yes, it did. It did. In fact, uh, I mean, we had uh, done like, uh, seriously, just homemade prosthetics. Uh, I would, you know, uh, uh, shout, big shout out to Melanie, uh, my makeup artist who, uh, yeah. you know, during the pandemic sat and figured uh, stuff out. It was challenging. The, the thing is, uh, you know, the way we kind of staged it was um, uh, was a very free flowing kind of staging because I didn't want to interrupt. In fact, we had uh, shots which were nine minutes, 10 minutes, 11 minutes long, single mm -hmm. takes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to cut and I wanted to pry on Ali and Hussein's uh, stage experience in terms of, uh, you know, both of them uh, uh, interacting with uh, uh, each other. And that's why Tasadak Hussein, my uh, cinematographer, has done a phenomenal job uh, of it. I mean, we just carried four lights and two lenses. That's what we shot the entire film on. Uh, of course, wow. we shot it technically, uh, you know, on the Sony Venice, which I wanted a, a finished uh, uh, look to the film we were fortunate in terms of the atmosphere that it rained all 10 days we were there so that really lent yes. to mm -hmm. you know creating the atmosphere and the light the softness and the mm. uh, yes as we say that adds to your production value because initially i wanted it to be a night film and then we realized we don't mm. have you know the budgets to pump in so many lights and then we decided okay we'll do it as a day film but then you know nature really helped us mm -hmm. uh, there but yes uh, there were there are a few scenes where we had to get the the blood and you know and and the prosthetics on also we were a really tight small crew because of the pandemic mm -hmm. and i think we worked more efficiently we never felt, uh, you know, that we are breaking emotion or we're breaking, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, the flow of uh, uh, for the actors because few things I had, you know, in mind already in terms of how I'm going to edit it. So mm -hmm. we also staged it where it's comfortable in a way for the actors to, you know, be lying down if we have to put prosthetics on. So mm -hmm. that was well uh, planned in that sense. Although we kept the chaos of moving with them, yeah. yeah, but I mean, to add to that, I think it, it, it was, again, I keep coming back to rhythm and that's such a, that's, that's a thing that goes with me a long, long way as an actor. And I think that's something that's, that's helped me sort of break away every time there's a, there could be a small thing like, oh, the needle's missing, you know, and mm. so somebody's got to sew it in and, you know, you're waiting with so much like blood. And <laughs> yeah. 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 Somebody's literally like, yeah. oh, there's not enough light. Yeah, we just got four lights. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all in other positions. But, yeah, um, but one, one fun thing, uh, not fun thing yeah, at that yeah. moment, uh, we had followed Hussein uh, when he enters through uh, throughout the house and it it was clocking and uh, and my ED came and told me, my first came and whispered to me, this is nine minutes. I said, okay, okay, cool, cool, great, great, great. And then uh, he goes and picks a cigarette. He finds a cigarette in a lighter mm -hmm. and he reached there and production had forgotten put the, to put the lighter there. <laughs> Oh, and, after the night. Yeah, oh. yeah. And Hussein uh, takes us in and, and he suddenly says, uh, 
there's no lighter here guys <laughs> and i was like oh god we have to do this again <sighs> so we cut and oh, we had to god. do the entire thing again oh. because there was no lighter Oh my god. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Well, but. fortunately, eventually that actually worked out because this is it's 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 a mm-hmm. such a wonderfully uh just an effective atmospheric thriller. It really just well done, mm-hmm. well put together. Mm-hmm. Again, the title of the film is The Underbug Screening at Slam Dance. I've been talking with the director, Shujat Shadagar, and one of the stars, producer Ali Fazal. It's been great having you both on the show. Thank you. It's been pleasure amazing. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you so much. This episode is made possible by Ann Wang, Natalie Gamble, the Papa Lowdown Agency, the Friesen Family, Jenny Yang, Fleetwood, aka Nico, Melanie Pena, Lauren Lim, Catherine Tulio, Courtney Kita, Mila Blog, Anita Tabora Rodriguez, Arabella DeLuco, Chloe Jackman of Chloe Jackman Studios, Shauna Festi, Stephanie Walton, Lisa Shad, Antoinette Tabora, and Storied San Francisco. Thank you so much for donating and a special shout out to the Slamdance Film Festival for providing us a recording home in Park City. Recording out of the Treasure Mountain Inn at the top of Main Street in Park City, talking about Sundance and Slam Dance films. With me is Angela Tabora from Bitch Talk. I'm John Wilder, I'm the editor-in-chief of FilmsGoneWild.com. And we've got a team with us right now. Because from Waiting for the Light to Change, which is screening a slam dance, we have the director, co-screenwriter, Lynn Tran. We have producer, co-screenwriter, Jewel Santos. We have David Foy, the DP for the film. And from the cast, Kun Chi. So welcome, everybody. It's a party. Thanks for having us. Okay, we start these all the same way, which is having our director introduce the audience to the film. They haven't seen it as yet. When you're up. Ooh. Um... Well, my name is Ling Tran. I am the director and co-writer of Waiting for the Life Change. So our film is a uh, slow-paced, contemplative uh, story about uh, female friendship, love, uh, and loss, and what it feels like to be in your 20s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautifully made film first. I just have to say that. But in my heart, I was just like, they're so young. They're all together. They just can't have fun and relax. I, I feel like everyone in this film just needs a hug and to just, you know, <laughs> breathe it out. You know, it'll be all right. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I would like to talk to you about creating this script and and maybe we can go around the table and uh, which characters you relate to. Um, and, and, you know, because it, it was rough. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was really fast because uh, we're from uh, we're from DePaul University, uh, and this um, it technically is a student film. It was uh, made with uh, in a studio at DePaul University, and we had to write the script really fast because the shoot date was set for like March and of twenty twenty one, and we in November we still didn't have the script, so we just got together. When location scouting, um, we found a story. We started writing and rewriting nonstop. It was so first draft was done in January and we shot in March. So it was 
just a lot of just do it. Um, and Jules can talk more about the writing. Yeah, I think um, something that was really interesting about writing this uh, was just the obstructions we had in creating it. Um, we had $20,000. We had a location for free that we could bubble in. DePaul was really ready to cancel us because of <laughs> COVID. It was literally, wow. it was like, they were like, this is unsafe. We can't have this. So that's why we had to even scrap the original script. And uh, yeah, we were like, what can we do? And so much of the inspiration was just me and Ling being fast friends and like getting to know each other and problem we I suggested she read one of my favorite books like my brilliant friend and we just talked so much about um friendship and the longevity of female friendship so it was just really fun to kind of use even the casting process as inspiration I feel like when we were casting the script wasn't fully locked so we were asking people what do you think about this mm. what do you think about this character do you feel like you'd so we were like improving even while we were like kind of casting uh, the main female character so it was really an experience unlike anything I've done before but definitely molded for this project I would love for, for the two of you to talk really quickly because you know we don't always have screenwriting teams and you know the cliche when screenwriting team is that you know you've got the keyboard then you hand you the keyboard and then you take it and you hand it back you know and <laughs> It, but oftentimes I know when I write with with um, uh, my wife on projects, like one one of us will write a draft, then the other will take the draft over and, you know, and, and do their rewrite of it. Talk about how you two work together um, to actually do this. So we have actually one more write, co-writer. Her, uh, her name is Dila Van Park, extremely um, talented and fun to be with uh, writer. So what we did was not that, um, we actually like would meet up and brainstorm like, okay, so this would be, well, it, it's a vacation movie. So you're like, okay, so what do we do on vacation? So it's like, you know, brainstorm a few things and then we would go on Zoom, all of us, and we would take, okay, you are Amy, I am Kim, let's like improv this. And these guys, they uh, had a theater background. So yeah. that was really fun. And I, they are also really good readers for um, the casting process too. Mm. So that really, really helped. We we acted the script out before we wrote it. And then we did that so many times, changed so many things. And, you know, by the end, we also like use the same process in rehearsal. So we had like a pretty loose script and loose dialogue. Um, but we, we made sure like it conveys the emotions and like what the vibe we wanted for the film um, was. Yeah. And then with the actors in rehearsals, we like solidify that um, writing. Uh, David, let's get let's get some DP love in here. Let's sure. get um, <laughs> and let's talk about shooting this because again, you know, uh, as Jules said, you know, you're 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 working pretty much in in one location, um, and you've got a handful of actors, and oftentimes that can be static. That can be two people on the sofa talking about their feelings for two hours, and God knows nobody wants to watch that. <laughs> um, but this is an interestingly shot movie. You know, so somehow with that that little bubble that Jules talked about, um, you you find different settings uh, to keep us off kilter as we're going through everybody's emotions they're working through. Talk about how, you know how you work with Lynn to manage that. Yeah, so uh, this was sort of a, a really long process from the start because Ling and I had tried to make two other films already that that didn't get made um, because of COVID. Um, and so really for this type of film, it was really out of my comfort zone um, because if you look at my other work, it's really kind of all over the place. Um, I don't really like to pin down a certain style that I'm after. It's really about the, the story. 
Um, so what Ling and I sort of had talked about in pre-production was that we we always saw it as this very static, very like, you know, ob- ob- observational camera so that it could supplement the the improv that was happening from the actors because basically it takes a lot of guesswork out of like, okay, we're going to plant the camera here, we're going to light the scene, and then we're going to let the actors rift, basically, um, because that's sort of like what makes the whole film what it is, you know? Um, and it was very meticulous in like our tech scouting days where, so I got up there a week before, um, you know, even, even before the actors and Ling and I sort of went to, I would say like 70% of the locations and just figured out exactly where we were going to place the camera. Um, you know, and like we still let some, some magic happen on set, but, um, it was quite literally like getting to spaces and like waiting for, you know, waiting for the light. The light did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah. He wins. So like, I mean, very, you know, like for example, very specifically, there's a there's a barn scene in our in our film where we sort of just happened upon this barn, or like someone yeah. was like, yeah, there's this there's this really cool barn. And I was like, yeah, let's go check it out. So when we did go and shoot that, we were there, you know two, three hours early to like plant the camera. And then it was like, rehearse, 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 improv, improv, improv. And then like, we're shooting it like three times when the sun is going down. And that was like, that was kind of the process for most of the film, honestly. So, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, I have to turn to you, Quo, and I'm not just saying this because you're in front of me. You are obviously my favorite character <laughs> in the movie. You. So, um, can you can you talk about? Uh, it sounds like it was a really collaborative process. Yeah. So, what did you bring to your character, and how do you relate to this character? Uh, honestly, I want to put a uh, back talk back to the uh, the screenwriting. You know, when they find me and uh, they drive me to the Michigan, we talk four hours in on the car, and I yeah. share my love story with them. <laughs> you know, and Jules just write my story in the script. They just changed the Literally. Script. Yeah, yeah I, and I didn't really tell her, so when yeah. she read it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first table writing in the first day, I don't know everyone, but I read the script. I cried so much. Aww. Yeah, and it's just a moment, you know. So for, for the writing process, I just, I don't know what they do for other girls, but they do me. <laughs> it was literally <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so for me, I just so now what I bring to this script, but this script bring too much for me. And I, when I read the script, because when Lin find me, we are all black hair, and all every girls are black hair as an Asian. So, mm-hmm. uh, we uh, Lin, especially the, the the another two character, they are American. <laughs> Sorry, no, 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 blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me and me, uh, we just uh, have a study in America. So we are not, uh, we, he grew up in the Miami, I grew, uh, grew up in China. So we have so similar background. Mm-hmm. I mean, so just a, uh, it's kind of an isolation part in my heart. So I can feel what, because you see the movie, uh, Lin is kind of, uh, 
a single woman, a single girl, and I try to join the groups, but I can't. <laughs> so mm. and just observe them and enjoy the happy at the moment. So I just uh, feel I'm so close to Lin and uh, close to the script. Yeah. And so yeah, I did. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe maybe that's why you maybe that's why you resonate so much yeah. on the screen because yeah, yeah. you really felt it. No. Yeah, yeah it's there's, true. there's also there's another point in there too. Like we Ling and I had always talked about Quinn being like the eyes of the film mm. um and it was also something that sort of just came out like while we were shooting it too but like she literally is like she sees everything you know more or less yeah. and like i think that really like kind of plays into yeah what, what, exactly what it was going for and you know? and we definitely wrote it for quinn i mean yeah. i quinn is a director <laughs> yeah. as well and i sent Ling a video of her not acting a video of her impersonating animals from the animal <laughs> animal oh. channel <laughs> and i sent it to Ling, and i was like what do you think of us just writing a character for the for her, and that's how um, Quinn joined the film. I'm gonna oh, need the a first link. time I'm ever acting. <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, I think she's really special. I've always felt like her energy is just like so magnetic, and I was like, we, and I feel like Ling was obviously really interested in all the women representing aspects of her, and she is an international or was an international film student too. So mm. kind of having. Yeah, her being the eyes. Yeah. yeah, Quinn did not have to do auditions. She yeah. didn't get cast right away. I want a sequel, you know. Yeah. 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 Quinn, yes. Quinn gets her own spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's funny. And, and full disclosure, this is a film that, that I've been helping, uh, you know, with the, the PR push for. Um, so I'm obviously a huge fan of this. And I remember, like, you know, the initial uh, meeting um, that I had with Lynn and, and I told her that when I was watching the film, I had the thought, and I've told people a number of people is that the film struck me as the prequel to the Asian Big Chill, and she hadn't seen Big Chill yet. <laughs> but uh, now I have. But now you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. But but you know, I, it, it's so wonderfully, and, and, and Jules, much credit to, to you as well on, on the scripting of this, that everybody's stories within this is balanced so wonderfully, and which is not easy to do when you're talking about keeping everybody's storyline straight. You know, who's betrayed who, who who's, mm. who still has a crush on who, who, you know, who's now has a new relationship. And, and sometimes, you know, once you get into the editing process, somebody rises to the top because they're, you know, because, you know, um, this person sitting next to me is, is incredibly dynamic and, and we, and we want her on the screen all the time. <laughs> that can happen. But this film successfully, really delivers a moment in time to these characters and lives that everybody can identify with. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm several decades past mm -hmm. uh, you guys, <laughs> and I was still remembering going, holy crap, I remember going through this crap. Yeah, lots of trauma that it brought up. Yep. Yeah. Again, <laughs> the title of the film is Waiting for the Light to Change, screening at Slamdance. We've been talking to the director and co-screener, Lin Tran, uh, producer and co-screenwriter, Jules Santos, the director of photography, David Foy, and our favorite movie star now, Queen Chu. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's show. You can find more information about this episode in our show notes. If you're missing us, you can visit us at bitchtalkpodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter and buy us a cup of coffee. Did you know we're also on the radio? You can find us at bff.fm. 
And lastly, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Only the coolest bitches are doing it. Proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.